What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Making these hits. Hey, making these flips. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard, where every 25-point lead is safe. As always, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Man, doing good. Now that football is officially back. <laughs> got through three days of the draft. I don't know how much you actually sat down and took in. After after day one, I really didn't watch too much of it. I kept up with the picks on my phone uh, for the most part. But uh, an exciting day one. Um, an interesting draft all around. Uh, and maybe that's just because it didn't seem like it would be interesting at all going into it. Um <laughs> So we're going to start where we always start, man. The New Orleans Saints went in with uh, pick 16 and 19. Uh, me mm -hmm. and you got on here and talked for weeks about, man, if we can get a wide receiver and an offensive tackle with those first two picks, we hitting the home run. Um, they ended up having to move up in order to get the wide receiver that they wanted, moved up Go to 11, uh, took Chris Olave out of Ohio State, who was um, – I mean, it's the, play, it's the player I saw most um, – drafted to us uh, throughout the mock drafts and things of that nature. Um, once the once the run on wide receivers started, New Orleans realized, though, <laughs> we got to get up here and go get them. Um, and they took Chris Olave. They got the guy that they wanted. They were able to stay at 19 and take Trevor Penning, uh, tackle out of Northern Iowa, which is, once again, that was my favorite pairing uh, this whole time, was taking Chris Olave and getting Trevor Penning. Um, second round came around. We took cornerback Alante Taylor out of Tennessee. Not a player that I'd heard too much about. Um, and uh, then we, what our two later picks, took linebacker DeMarco Jackson out of Appalachian State and the defensive tackle Jordan Jackson out of the Air Force. So how do you mm -hmm. feel we did with our draft overall? Man, we got exactly what we needed. You uh, you spoke a lot when you said it was the first two uh, picks in the first round. We got that out the way. Uh, yeah. We had to move up. I know a lot of people hate moving up when you talk to Saints fans, but this was well needed. Uh, yeah. You know, we moved up, what, five spots, if I'm not mistaken, because yeah. once once the first receiver went, Drake London, as expected, to Atlanta, uh, they all started going. <laughs> so it was yeah. now or never. And, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't be disappointed in us taking uh, a lot of the – to pair him with Michael Thomas, everybody knew we needed another number two. You get one of the better receivers in the draft. And then, like you mentioned, Trevor Penning uh, with that 19 pick. Uh, Armstead has left. You have to find a replacement for him. And now you can go into the season feeling like you have answered every void that you had on the offensive end last year. Yeah, 100%. And once again, we even going into the draft, we said, yeah, you add Chris Olave. I mean, you add a wide receiver. You need to add more than one wide receiver. So we'll right. see what follows there. <laughs> But uh, once again, man, you can't argue with Chris Olave and what he did at Ohio State. He seems like mm -hmm. a, a perfect match to put opposite side of Michael Thomas. Uh, Trevor Penning, like you said, even even if they don't think he's ready to start um, come, you know, week one of next season, you still got Hayden Hurst in the building um, and, and other guys that you feel comfortable with sticking that left tackle uh, for a while. If, if you don't think he's ready, I think that they, that – he will be ready. I think they will put him out there, and, and he'll be ready for week one. Um, Alante Taylor, not a guy that I knew a lot about going uh, into this draft. I hadn't really heard about him at all. But seeing, man, I love I love a four-year starter anyway. If you're telling me that a guy started <laughs> for four years, especially in the SEC, uh, at any position, that's already a, a green flag in their favor. Um, they said he had a really good year last year. Um, it seems like his years before that were kind of mediocre. Uh, but once again, a four-year starter, um, he's versatile. They, I mean, as soon as we took him, you had uh, Ross Jackson of Locked On Sports saying, man, we could play him at safety. We could play mm -hmm. him in the nickel. He played, like He can play anywhere. Uh, Mickey Loomis, uh, Dennis Allen, they say they're going to play him at corner. Um, so as soon as they said that, I was like, oh, Tyron Matthew is back on the table. Um <laughs> Uh, Jordan Jackson, defensive tackle out of Air Force, another guy I didn't know too much about, didn't hear much about. But, man, he's somebody, I think they say he was a four-year captain at Air Force mm -hmm. on that team. Um, and once again, we talked about it last week, how we needed some more interior help across that defensive line uh, so we wouldn't have any issue with them drafting 
uh, at that spot at all throughout the draft. Uh, DeMarco Jackson, linebacker, you talked about it last week. Hey, we need to we need to get another linebacker. So, man, I, I see a lot of a lot of average grades on our draft, mm-hmm. C C plus. I think just based off of our first two picks, we hit it out the park. We got exactly Absolutely. what we needed. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing whatever else they did after that, it, it doesn't matter. Because yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you got those those first two things out the park. And I think it's something that we have to take into consideration with the grading is because we're all we are a team that's built to win right now. So yeah. a lot of times they give guys A's and A pluses in drafts are because they're looking at future. You know, yeah. this guy should be a starting quarterback for the next 10 years, whatever the case is. We're not in that position. We need guys that we can plug and play immediately. As uh, soon as they're drafted, you expect it to come in and play right away. And I just wanted to touch on um, the corner that we took, uh, Lante Taylor, with that mm-hmm. 49th pick. Uh, you, you spoke about his athleticism. He was a quarterback in high school. I never heard of him. I did a lot of a lot of reading and research on him. Uh, yeah. Quarterback in high school, made it to college, and he switched to be a, and he was a receiver uh, before coming a cornerback over there. And anytime you draft a guy with four three speed, I mean. Yeah. I'm not going to be mad at that. So um, glad we're able to pick up and strengthen the secondary. That's already pretty good. Exactly. Um, and and once again, man, I saw. I think uh, one of the first things I saw when we took him, somebody was came out and said that we reached for him, and I was like, well, <laughs> it's funny because we reached for him, you know, quote unquote. I think they said he was a third rounder. Well, we didn't have a third round pick. We didn't have a fourth mm-hmm. round pick. We needed a cornerback. If that was the top of our cornerback, cornerback, you know, draft board, and that's the guy you take. It's not a reach, you know, because right. you're not seeing, you know, you're not picking again. Uh, so I'd rather them, quote unquote, reach for him right there in the second round. They have to give up future assets to move back into this right. draft, which is something Mickey Loomis said he wanted to stay away from, giving up more future mm-hmm. assets in order to get back into this draft. Um. So right after the draft, Mickey Newman say, look, we got one glaring hole that we need to go out there and fix. I'm quite sure y'all know what that is. Y'all, you know, we're going we're gonna to go address that. Today, uh, well, last night, the um, they started saying, look, Tyron Matthew, look like he's going to sign with New Orleans Saints. Um, deal should be done in a couple days. Um, what, an hour ago, Tyron Matthew, uh, the – the numbers came out and looked like three years, $33 million, $18 million guaranteed. Um, I love it. Once again, <laughs> once again, man, we got on here. I was like, man, if we draft wide receiver tackle can bring Tyron Matthew, maybe Jarvis Landry in, that's perfect. Um, mm-hmm. getting, him, <clears throat> getting him for who's a better safety than what we had in Marcus Williams. We're getting them cheaper for what, you know, Baltimore paid uh, Marcus Williams. Um, he's a he's a hometown guy, you know. I I can't love this. This may be my favorite move of the offseason, being at the time that Absolutely. it came and everything else that got taken care of it before. Absolutely. Yep. And you know, I thought about this long and hard because, as expected, I said that he's going to make a little bit more than what he was making in in Houston and Kansas City. I had him as the best safety available when he yeah. uh, got traded to Houston. And he took that deal with Kansas City for like seven million dollars simply because he knew there was a champ- there was a Super Bowl uh, team, and uh, so I expected him to make in between eight and ten million dollars, just depending on if he's going to go to the highest bidder or is he going to go to a team that possibly can win the Super Bowl. Um, so nothing was crazy about the money whatsoever. That's expected honey badger money. But when you think about how great of a player he's been over the years, and now he's put in a situation where he's not. Uh, forced to to necessarily be the best defensive player. This is probably the best defensive unit that he's ever played with since he's been in the NFL. Um, And we can use him in so many different roles. We're talking about a guy that his role may change every single Sunday. You may see him match up on the tight end one Sunday. You may see him just flooding the box. Another one, you may see him as a rover, just roaming the field, you know, the Sunday after that. So just think about a locker room filled with so much young talent, and you have your guys like Lattimore and Cam Jordan is going to lead the way to Marco, uh, DeMarco, uh, DeMarco, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of lost his name there. Thanks <laughs> uh, for Honey Badger. That's a lot of leadership on the defensive side of the ball, man. So, uh, great things to come from the Saints defense, hopefully. 
And like we talked about uh, when the reports first came a month ago, talking about we were interested in him, uh, and then Malcolm Jenkins' retirement came around, and I said, okay, that makes a whole lot more sense if we're bringing him in to fill that Malcolm Jenkins role versus Mm -hmm. Demarcus Williams' role. So, you know, bringing in Marcus May and bringing in um, your guy from Tampa Bay that didn't play um, the last year. I can't remember his name. But uh, bringing those two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Justin Evans. Justin Evans. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. So bringing those two guys in and then, you know, now you're allowing um, Tyron Matthew to do exactly that, to play that Malcolm Jenkins role. And I think he's going to be able to fit in right there perfectly. And I love that it wasn't a one-year deal. I love that we locked him up for, you know, for a a good amount of time, which I know is what he was looking for too as well. Anyway, yep. All right. So just looking across the rest of the draft, um, who do you think had the best draft? I thought about this long, man. Like, it took me a long time to go up and down the board and see what teams improved the most. And it was one team that I found very, very interesting. And I believe they have the best draft for numerous reasons. And that team is the Philadelphia Eagles. So, for so long, I was saying I can't judge Jalen Hurts because he's never had an O-line. He's never had a running game. He's never had a true number one. His defense is not great. I I just think there's, you know, more to come. And now he's in a similar situation with Tua where it's like, look, we put all the weapons around you that we possibly can. This is your make or break year. You have to show us you can play. So just the defensive line was by far the best thing for Philly that they had going on last year. They were still relative simply because that D-line. And they go out and they get Jordan uh, Davis from Georgia, D-Tackle. Yeah. I understand Flexer Cox is uh, expected to part ways with the team sooner or later he, this year. I was year. about to say, he actually had got cut. I think he's already resigned uh-huh. with them. He got uh-huh. cut and resigned yeah. already, so he's going to be there next year. Yeah, well, just for next year. And even if it is for that one year, that that's a lot for teams to deal with when you're going to say you got Jordan Davis, uh, who was rated super high on everybody's board, who's a pass rusher. Um, the only thing I don't like about him as a first-round pick uh, is on third downs, for whatever reason, I see him as just a like a space taker, right? He's a guy that's physical. He's going to, you know, uh, create some type of pressure. He may not be the best pass rusher at D-tackle, but him and, uh, and Cox together, they definitely, you know, is, is a force in the middle. Yeah. And then he lost their center. Anytime you lose a center, uh, starting center, you have to find a way to replace him, especially one as good as uh, Jason Kels. Uh, they were out, they were able to go get Cam Journeys uh, as center. He was the second-ranked center to fill that hole that they had. And then a guy that I was super big on, the Kobe Dean uh, linebacker from Georgia, who he just kept falling and falling in the draft. And I'm just like, man, something's going on because this dude was yeah. too good in Georgia. You saw the rest of the Georgia players going as well, uh, and he's just sitting there. And they had some. Some things about his medical history yeah. came out that he may have some serious injuries and concerns, but they got him in the third round. It's kind of like he he fell to him. Yeah. You know, like at that point, they addressed their two biggest needs. You got this guy who can definitely come in and help us out if he's cleared, if he's good to go. Um, falling to you in the third round, nobody's going to be upset about uh, you taking him there. And then we talk about the trade uh, for A.J. Brown. And to me, that was just icing on the top on the cake. You know what I'm saying? Um, you got Smith last year, who seemed to be pretty decent. He had a, a, yeah, a pretty yeah, solid yeah. year with his work. And you mix yep. him with a guy that's already uh, a proven number one, AJ Brown, who I feel can be a number one if you know you don't feel he's a number one already. You mix him with with Smith. I mean, two guys that's young. Uh, they run similar routes. Um, they both have separation speed. They both can beat you over the top. Um, I just feel like. Jalen Hurts now have enough weapons on offense to where we say we have to be competitive and we have to talk about the Eagles possibly winning this division. Yeah, I I definitely uh, agree with the outlook of the Eagles. I agree 100%. We've talked off air about this, him and Tua being in that same boat. Look, we're going to put everything we can around you for you to be successful. If you're not successful, then that's on you, and we're just going to have to mm-hmm. move on, which is yep. why uh, Philly having two first-rounders for next year, what will be a good draft class is so important. Um, but if, you know, if if Jalen Hurts goes out there and he performs well, then they have two first-round picks to just add on to what they already have started here this year. Um, so I wrote down four teams, and – after writing them down and looking at the players on them, 
I had I, I knew what my choice was. My the four teams I wrote down were the Ravens, the Lions, the Jets, and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I gotta go with the Jets. Um yes. I, I they took Sauce Gardner first, um, with the number four overall pick. They wanted Stingley, is what I heard. They wanted Stingley, but because he went at three, they took the next, mm-hmm. you know, the next best cornerback. So they they get a one of the two best cornerbacks in the draft. They turn around to take Gary Wilson, one of the top four wide receivers. They take Jermaine Johnson, who was one of the what top five yeah, edge yeah, rushers. Yeah. Um, he failed. Basically, they turn around and take Brees Hall, who's considered to be by a lot of people the best running back in the draft, which we knew they needed help there. And they got Jeremy Ruckert, uh, the tight end out of Ohio State, who's also a top four, top five. Uh, tight end in this draft. So every player they took with their first five picks were top five in this draft. Um, man, that, that, to me, they hit it out the park, man. They they mm-hmm. were able to address major needs on their teams um, with with good players, with players who should be able to go out there and start for them day one, except for maybe Jeremy Ruckert. And that's probably not going to be an indictment on him. It's just going to be that they just brought in Austin Hooper. Um so, man, I, I seriously feel like by the end of this season, we're going to be looking at all five of those guys starting uh, for the Jets, and that's an absolute win. You know, you you hope to get two guys that can start for you uh, come week, you know, midseason, and they might have five. <laughs> uh, and then they drafted another offensive tackle and I think another DN as well after those after those five. But those five right there, that that really did it for me. Uh, the Detroit Lions we'll talk about with Sean probably later on this week. Um, <clears throat> and then you just touched on the Eagles. And just to touch on the Ravens real quick, man, they make the best out of they're, – no, they're really good yeah. at this draft. At, at this draft. Yeah, they are. And year year, they're they pretty kill. good at this draft. Thing. Kyle Hamilton fell into their laps. Um, mm-hmm. And then they were able to turn around and take Tyler Linderbaum as center to shore up that front line. On uh, offense, yeah, and, sure and then they was able to get David Ojabo, who, if it wasn't for the tearing of his Achilles at his pro day, he would have won into mm-hmm. the first. He would have won the first round. Um, mm-hmm. so that's that. Like Kyle Hamilton is one hundred percent a Baltimore safety. Like if you, if <laughs> you like that's exactly what they want at the safety position. Uh, and they were able to get it. Like I say, just by you know sitting still and letting him fall to him. Um, not only the best safety in this draft, but a lot of people had him as the best talent in this draft. Period. Yep. <clears throat> um, uh, so, how do you did okay. so them trading? Uh, it didn't affect how you felt about their draft. Them trading Hollywood? Uh, mm-hmm. No, <laughs> no. Well, cool even it. though, even though we're definitely looking at a team who, for what two, three years now, we've been saying they need more wide receiver help. Um, Hollywood just isn't the answer to that for me. Um, not not for Lamar Jackson. Like, yeah, he's a deep threat. Yeah, they had a connection, but he's not what is needed over there uh, as a wide receiver, in my opinion. <clears throat> I saw D Hop will miss the first six games. So I'm wondering if they knew that coming into the draft, and I that's think, why I they think they absolutely did, and I think that's why Arizona, yeah. you know, went because once Cause again, at at that point, the best of the best wide receivers were gone. So it mm-hmm. was well, we know D Hop about to miss six games. We got to get somebody who who we can kind of trust to be a number one. Him and Kyler Murray played together in college. Let's 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 bring him in. So that definitely played a part. Um, which makes it make more sense now that we're looking at it Monday yeah. and be like, okay, now that makes sense. Because um, <laughs> I sure said, wasn't understanding it when they said first Hopkins had put in an appeal, but he he withdrew it, so he's going to do his 60 game suspension on that. Um, so Hollywood will be their number one wide receiver for at least the first six weeks of, of next year. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the craziest thing from the draft was something that we all saw not to this extent, but we all talked about it going into it, how bad the quarterback class was. So to see one taken in the first two rounds, that was shocking. That that was still <laughs> shocking. <laughs> um, but you also and, – and I guess the most shocking part is we know the teams that need quarterbacks, Seattle, Carolina. Yep. <clears throat> um, 
if any if any team was to pass on the quarterback, I thought it would be Pittsburgh just because, you know, well, we we got Trubisky. We're going to really try to give him a shot, which I still think they do. But I don't yeah. know teams, if one of them was to pass on a quarterback, I thought it would be Pittsburgh. Um, and see, I kind of had them taking a QB for sure as well. Like, I just felt like there was no way they can let a QB uh, slip away from them. Uh, yeah, but in my not, opinion, they, they have the best – in my opinion, they still have the best quarterback situation out of those three teams, though. Like, them, yeah, Carolina, saying, Seattle, but... exactly. But they yeah. had the best one. So that was like, if any of them passed someone early, it would be Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but they got that guy. And, of course, Carolina and Seattle both ended up taking quarterbacks as the draft mm-hmm. went on. But right here on Monday, we're back to having the Baker Mayfield conversation surrounding both of these teams. Uh, Carolina still seems like they're still going to you know, be going after him or just waiting for him to get cut and be able to go after him that way. Um, so at this point, where do you where do you see Baker ending up, man? I have Carolina. Like it's to me, it's it's nothing strange. It's Carolina. They're the only team to me that uh, play for Baker Mayfield. Um, it was funny to see Robbie Anderson express uh, his desire to to for the team not to sign him, but I I couldn't I can't see another. And, and play quarterback. Um, to me, it would make no sense for um, or even experiment with him at this point. Um, to me, it would just make more sense for them, a, a team that really don't even have a true identity, to just continue to build in the draft. Uh, but Carolina, they had a decent defense last year. I don't expect for them to be much this year. But they have some pieces on offense to where everyone's healthy and good to go. You figure with a better quarterback than what you have, you can be, you know, a productive offense. That's the only reason why I have them uh, still linked to Carolina. Um, I'm just I'm gonna go Seattle just because once again, yeah. when I look at these three teams and I say, what's the best and worst, you know, quarterback situation there? Well, now, once again, Pittsburgh's out the question because they just drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round. Um, And then you look at Carolina, and I'm like, man, Sam Darnold, for those first, what, six weeks, he he looked pretty good. But that's also tied to Christian McCaffrey being healthy or not. And that's the biggest. Like, I don't care who's playing quarterback at Carolina. If Christian McCaffrey can be healthy, that changes life for whoever the quarterback is. So can I see yeah. Sam Darnold going out there and look like he looked the first six weeks of last season? As long as Christian McCaffrey is healthy, yeah, I can see that. Seattle, yeah. I've seen nothing out of Drew Locke to expect, you know, like, Drew Locke mm-hmm. isn't going to be the answer. I'm quite positive that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning has taken a great interest in him and been working out with him and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's too late for him. Go and move see, on to the next in guy. He's doing it in vain. Move to the next guy. Uh, and then besides him, you got Geno Smith on the roster, who I, I don't think he's your answer either. Um, to me, Baker's better than both of those guys. Uh, and if you can, if he ends up getting cut, which looks like it's going to be uh, the route that gets taken, and you don't have to pay him $19 million for a show-me season, you get to bring him in for $7 million or something like that. Um, I think that's perfect to see. For any team, I think it's perfect. Um, to see what a guy got if you able to get him like that. $7 million for Baker when last healthy, he was he was productive. Um, so I think Seattle can definitely jump on that and, and make the best out of it, especially when you're looking at keeping a DK Metcalf happy and you're talking about Pete Carroll came out today and said, look, getting his deal done is top priority now. We got to get DK Metcalf to stay here, you know, for long term. So uh, I think that's the best situation for him. But I, I could see the Carolina thing. But like I say, when I'm just looking at it and saying, which is the worst situation, who who needs the quarterback worse to me is Seattle? Yep. So DK Metcalf, to me, still has yet to prove that he's a, a real number one. And you can blame it on a lot of things in Seattle, but they had a quarterback. Tyler Lockett was still able to get off for whatever reason. DK has to find a reason to, to get off. And not only get off, but he had games last year where we didn't even know if he was on the field. So I just feel like if you bring a quarterback that's still yet to be proven into that situation, how can we expect 
that team or even that offense to look any better. But if I'm Seattle, I'll be banking on saying, okay, to me, Baker Mayfield right now is better than Sam Donald. So if we were able to compete and beat the Saints, if we were able to be 4-2 or whatever they were prior to the injury of Christian McCaffrey, I'm expecting even more now that I have a better quarterback. And that's my only reason why I feel like he should be wanted in Carolina more than he's wanted in other uh, with the other teams. Oh, yeah, I definitely think that Seattle and Carolina should equally want him. Um, once again, I think he's better than anybody that they have on their rosters uh, right now. And once again, you get a year sample of them. Um, you mm-hmm. say, look, let's let's try it out for a year, $7 million, $10 million with incentives, uh, and let's see how this thing goes. Uh, with Seattle, once again, there, there's, there's many reasons why DK, you know, hasn't proven to you that he's the real number one. Yeah. You know, that offensive line has been a huge one, which Seattle, you know, began to, um, they, you know, you got to chip away at that. They took, a, I think, a tackle with their first pick uh, yeah. in the first mm-hmm. round. Um, and then they added a running back. One of, the, one of the good running backs out of this draft, they added a running back to help, you know, ease the load on Chris Carson. So they seem to have a plan to be moving in the right direction. Um, I, I love the pairing of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I do consider DK Metcalf a number one and the number one in that situation. And Tyler Lockett, especially with a better quarterback and a little protection from an offensive line, Tyler Lockett being on the opposite side of DK Metcalf definitely makes life easier for him. Um, but once again, I think I think either spot would be glad to have him and benefit from having him going into this next season. Before we move on, I want to say um, you asked – what was well? You gave a takeaway on the weirdest thing from the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you spoke about the quarterbacks. I I kind of look at the weirdest thing. I have to kind of take it team by team and say, okay, what team in the NFL has to improve on this the most? Or you know, does this team need a running back more than this team needs the quarterback? Things of nature. Yeah. I found it very crazy, very crazy that the Bears did nothing to improve their offense. For us receivers go and uh, even trading and was going to be flying around all night long and possible trades for players move up to get certain players but they're coming into next year and they already had a bad offense and to me yeah. the offense is even, even worse now and I, I to me that's just that was just crazy to me yeah they lost uh, Allen Robinson uh-huh. they lost Allen Robinson uh honestly the only I think they added Byron Pringle from Kansas City. That's like the only person I, I think that they added during this offseason. I'm quite sure he's not the only one, but that's the only person that comes to mind for me. Uh, so Chicago is definitely in a position to where, like you say, they should have been trying to do whatever they could to get as many picks throughout this draft because free agency, obviously nobody was interested in, in going to Chicago and taking their money. So post-draft... Um, once again, just looking at some of the people that's still available. We talked about Baker. We figured he's going to get cut. I don't think anybody's trading for him at this point. Uh, we talked about Tyron Matthew. He's already signed uh, with New Orleans, but we still got some other free agents out here that's some that I honestly forgot about. Um, but we got a few here. We got Jarvis Landry, um, Julio Jones, Will Fuller, OBJ, that makes up the top wide receivers that's still available out there. Um, you got Clowney uh, and Melvin Ingram still out there. You got Kyle Rudolph at tight end. And you got J.C. Treader at center, um, who I'm kind of shocked is still out there. That, that he, He's definitely a serviceable uh, and damn sure a starter uh, along somebody's offensive line. Um where do you see any of these guys uh, being moved to? Or who do you think needs to be looking at these players? Well, Will Fuller, uh, for sure, uh, because I think he's not going to demand a lot of money. Well, none of them, really. Um, you would probably have Jarvis Landry as, as uh, uh, asking for the most money. But all these guys Maybe would be very— Clowney. I couldn't see Clowney getting any more than $7 million or so. I think, I think he'd still get more than that. I mean, if they do, it's simply because they feel like they, it'd be a team that's a contender. Like, let's go ahead. Yeah, you know, and, we need and that's, been his, you know, and that's, that's been his last two stops, Cleveland and then before that, yeah. Tennessee, you know, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But but yeah, so all these receivers, right? Will Fuller to me is the is the wild factor because if he can stay healthy, you pair him in a situation where he's not your number one. He, he's basically out there to threaten the defense with that speed, possibly yeah. on top of guys, things of that nature. You mix him in a in a system like New Orleans where you have two receivers now. We know Michael Thomas is going to eat underneath. We know we have a good old line. We still can run the ball and things mm-hmm. of that nature. I think that'd be a perfect fit for him. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the same fan. But uh, you, I can also see it in Tampa Bay, a receiving court that's already proven. They lost Antonio Brown. They need another guy just to be a guy. Um, Tom they Brady got still a... Oh, who did they sign? They signed a guy. Who did they sign? Oh, man. You're going to make me look it up. Uh, but yeah, they they definitely they they got their guy because I was shocked that he ended up going there. Um, I'm, I'm any, if, in any team of that nature, right? Any team of that nature. I'm just saying, any team that's a contender. Russell Gage, Russell Gage. I, you know, I don't I don't feel threatened at all about Russell Gage. Any, well, you don't have I, to feel threatened, but if he, he's, gonna at, have a, he's better he's than Will Fuller is right now. He's a better wide receiver than Will Fuller easily. Easily. He's he's no different than have, better than Scotty Miller. He's better than Russell, Will Fuller. That is a good third wide receiver to have. He's been in our division his whole life, and neither time he played him or no one has played him. He has uh, been a – I don't want to say put fear in anybody. He's just a replaceable receiver. I want to say he was a six- or seven-round pick. He's what's expected. From a six or seven round pick at the receiver yeah, we position. Now I give you this. we disagree completely on what Russell Gage is. Yeah, yeah. and completely. I would say this. I would say this. Playing in Tampa Bay's offense with a great quarterback in Tom Brady, he's probably going to have the best season of his life. I can say that. But I feel a Jarvis Landry, a healthy Odell Beckham, or anybody else we can name in that same system to do the same role they're going to ask Russell Gage to do. The outcome would be the same, if not better. Well, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are better wide receivers than he than he is. They are number one receivers, okay, so uh, just, probably even. So you just feel like Will you just feel like Will Fuller is not a better receiver than Russell Gage at this point. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I don't know. I feel like Russell Gage okay. is a true number two wide receiver, and he gets to Tampa Bay, and he's able wow. to go be a third. So that's just like looking at Odell and saying Odell's the number one. You got him to you know the Rams to be a number three. He ended up still having to be a number two. Uh, but I think Russell Gage is a number two who now gets to go be a number three and a good offense with a great quarterback, you know? Gotcha. Um, but Will Fuller, yeah, like I look at him and I say Green Bay. Like he should, that's where he should end up. He should end up in Green Bay. Uh, you you go in, in there, you go in there and they, they drafted two rookies, um, two rookie wide receivers. Um, besides that, man, you lost Devontae Adams, you lost Valdez Scantling. Um, <laughs> you need to be adding somebody somewhere, uh, whether it's Will Fuller, whether you try to get a Jarvis Landry, um, a Julio Jones. You got to get somebody in the building. Uh, any of these guys, man. Uh, OBJ. I, I think they they wanted OBJ last year, and I heard that the, the talks broke off because they didn't see him as the Rams saw him. They were trying to get mm-hmm. OBJ in the building and say, look, man, you're going to do some kick returning. You're going to do punt returns and stuff like that. And OBJ was <laughs> that's not what he he's coming to any team to do. That's not his mindset. Um, but man, if you can get a guy like that, because once again, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, where regardless of how annoying he is off the field, on the field, he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league, and he's gonna make anybody look better than what they are. Um, that's including somebody that's Will Fuller, you know. You said that the whole time you was talking, it's like they're gonna mess around and be the team to take another quarterback. They gonna get the hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then once again, you look at a clowny. Once again, there's a lot of teams out here that can use a defensive end. I'm quite sure he ends up in a place just like he has the past two seasons, a place that's you know competing right now, um, and hopes that he can stay healthy and you know and help a team along. So. Um, Julio Jones, man, you just talked about Chicago. I think Chicago should be looking at Julio Jones. They should be trying to bring him in um, so he can serve as their number one wide receiver. Uh, so these guys definitely have homes to be had. It's just how quickly does it happen now post-draft. If Julio go to the Bears, he'll be retiring in next year. 
He and man, sadly, it looked like he retiring in the next year, regardless. It don't seem like too many people really feel like they have a use for Julio, which is crazy. I didn't see that happening so quickly with him. Right. Um, but man, last scene, it didn't seem like he had too much left in the tank. Um, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins. Anything else you got NFL wise? Not NFL wise. Nope. All right, so let's move on to these NBA playoffs. Uh, now that round one has concluded and round two started off yesterday with Boston, Milwaukee, and then uh, Golden State and Memphis. I was looking at it, and I think we got one. Well, I know I got one round wrong, one uh, one series wrong, and that was the Brooklyn and Boston series. I took, you, uh, I took Utah, so that's one I got wrong. Um I'm trying to make sure I took Memphis. I think I took Memphis, yeah. So the one I got wrong was Utah. I had Utah beating Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one I got wrong for sure. Um, but yeah, kicked off yesterday with, you know, Golden State beating Memphis and um, Boston losing game one to Milwaukee. Tonight we got Miami against Philly and then um, Suns against Dallas. Um I don't have any of these series going more than six games. I only have one of them making it to six games. And that's <laughs> is and, and a lot of it is injuries. You know, you talk about Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't have Chris Middleton in this series. Um, I think personally, if you betting on Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen to go out there and play amazing like they did last night in order to, you know, squeak out a victory against Milwaukee. I don't think they're giving you that four times in seven games. Um, so I think I, I got Boston in six uh, in that series. Philadelphia, n- you know, losing Joel Embiid at a point before, where you shouldn't even you, be playing him. Um, yeah, before you move on to even that series, I was going to say it's not even about those guys playing great. It's about those guys just simply making shots. I'm, if I'm Boston, I'm doing the same thing I did game one. We're going to put a big body on Giannis. When he moves forward, we're stepping up, we're helping and rotating, and we continue to dare those guys to hit threes. If they do it, congratulations. Exactly. But we're not letting Giannis They're not, paint. So, yeah, yeah, I don't I think they can do that, that. for Yeah, I don't think exactly. – I don't think Grayson Allen going out there and starting the game <laughs> three or four or four or four from three-pointer for four games in the series. Off the ball. I'm talking yeah. about they were shooting the peel off the ball. And then on, on the opposite end, Boston didn't play great. It's just that they yeah, couldn't hit exactly. wide open shots. So exactly. I don't, I don't count on Milwaukee continuing to shoot threes like that, nor do I count on Boston continue to miss threes. So what you got in that series? I see it as you see it, six. Boston six. Boston six. Yep. Miami and Philly. So Philly. Oh man, I. They're they're becoming one of the more annoying teams uh, for me in the league right now as well. Between Doc cool. Rivers. Uh, between Doc Rivers and, you know, Joel Embiid and James Harden. All right, man. So, <laughs> Joel Embiid <laughs> takes what? You got orbital structure and a concussion um, from being on the court 30 points up on Toronto in a closeout game. That makes no sense. But now mm-hmm. he's out for at least the first two games of this series. That's all it takes for me. You know, you, him, him not being on the court for two games, that goes – you already in a two-game hole against Miami. And um, in a situation where I feel like if Philly had a chance, they had to steal one of the first first two games. They're not stealing mm-hmm. one of the first two games just trotting out there, James Harden. I promise you they're not. Yeah. James Harden and Tobias Harris, they're they not stealing a game in Miami. Um, I, I got that in a sweep now, regardless of if Joel Embiid comes back game three or if he can't play three and comes back in four. I got them getting swept. I think if if he he's definitely going to be back by game four. I don't think he'll be back in game. If he played game three and four, I definitely have them winning one of those two games. But overall, I have this series. Okay. Um, Golden State against Memphis. Memphis, I I like Memphis. I like I like the talent that they have on their roster. They just young. Watching them against yep. Minnesota, you saw two very young teams who aren't disciplined, 
Um, they gave up yeah. a lot of double digit leads in between those, mm-hmm. you know, in between those two teams and those ser- in their series. Golden State not allowing none of that. You let Golden State get up 15 points, the game over with. It's over. <laughs> it's over with. Um, and <laughs> even even when you hit them with their best shot, and you might go up 10 on Golden State, and then just like that, That's you nothing. down five. It's nothing yeah. for them. And they have, outside of what you saw from Draymond Green yesterday, <laughs> they have the discipline as a team uh, to be able to dig themselves out of holes and to get separation from teams and hold on to it. So that bouncing yep. back that Memphis was able to do against Minnesota is not going to happen in this series. I'm giving them a game, um, which I think yesterday was the perfect time for them to get one, and they still couldn't pull it off. Um, so I got Golden State in five. Uh, I'm taking Golden State in five, too. And then I, I feel like in some way this is going to be the one we disagree on. So we got Phoenix and Dallas. Um, once again, what I— is there to disagree on this? I, well, we about to, you talking about, we about to be talking about the length of the games that, that we're going. So, so what you got? What you got here? Phoenix against Dallas. Phoenix. In what? Five. Okay. Because once thing, when we were on here a week or so ago, it seemed like you and Sean were really uh, in no, agreement was, with what y'all thought of Dallas uh, versus what I the, thought of because Dallas. Of because of who they were playing. That's it. Like Luca got to turn around and worry about CP3 and Devin Booker, and he's not gonna be able to outdo those guys. He shouldn't have been able to outdo Donovan Mitchell and and Mike Conley, if we're being honest. Uh, but that had a lot to do with that had a lot to do with Rudy Gobert, of course, and you know, and them not having what well, Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside being your big man, um, and not yeah, having any. Yeah, but that's and that's exactly what me and Sean was saying that he was gonna be a liability, and I think even you touched on it like, yeah, he's gonna be a liability. Well, yeah, yeah, but, but I, but, but, but that he can't be a liability and Donovan Mitchell coming up small, you know, you like it was yeah. more than just Rudy Gobert, but of course that's the that's the glaring thing that you see from that series. Um, because mm-hmm. I know I talked to Sean. Sean has Phoenix in seven. Uh, he he has that much respect for Dallas for that Dallas team. Um, I got I got the Suns in four. I, I don't think yeah, Dallas gonna get. I'm game. not even mad at you. I'm not even mad yeah. at you for saying four. But I, I'm gonna give him a game and I'm gonna say five. And I respect Simply it because I respect yeah. Luca. Luca can go out yeah. there and, and get you one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we both have man Suns Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, Miami and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I know we talked a week ago about what we thought our finals were going to be. Uh, going ahead, you know, I had what Milwaukee and Golden State. As long as Golden State was healthy, Golden State is healthy. I don't think Golden State is uh, is falling short of the NBA Finals this year. The Chris Middleton injury did it for me. Uh, again, you know, I I can't I I can't see them beating Boston without Chris Middleton in this series. Um, and that's what's going to end up killing them. Um, so now I'm looking at Boston and and Golden State. Um, in the in the NBA Finals, I like Miami. I was just I like, about to touch on Miami. I like Miami. Miami's gonna be really out. They, they out, bro. I'm yeah. They gonna be 100%. a percent out. Go Miami and Boston is a seven yeah. game series all day long. And yeah. if PJ Tucker gonna be the wild factor because I told you when Milwaukee lost him in free agency, like. That was a huge loss. Like whoever yeah. you go to, because you knew it was going to be a contender, he's going to turn it up even more if he can get to a team like Phoenix or or um, the team he signed with, the Heat. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It, it basically came between him resigning with Milwaukee. Uh, the Suns entertained it, and um, of course Miami, who he chose. But he's doing the same. He's bringing in that same energy that he had. With Milwaukee last year over to Miami and it's contagious. Jimmy Butler's back to playing defense. And when he's scoring 25, 30 points easy, makes to harassing the perimeter. I mean, that's a lot. They have bodies to throw at uh Tatum. Yeah. Not saying they're gonna get him out of his game or anything of that nature. You but you just got two guys that's legit on defense that's willing to sell out, mixed with all the rest of the good shooting that Miami has and leadership in Lowry, that they can go a long way. See, and I can't I can't disagree with that. But my X factor when it comes down to a Boston Miami series is Jimmy Butler. 
because I know what mm-hmm. he's going to give you on the defensive end. But if he's playing like he played offensively in, in round one, then mm-hmm. Miami going to the finals. If he can keep that up, <laughs> Miami going to the yeah. finals. If, if Jimmy Butler is going to be that offensively consistently, mm-hmm. then they're going to the NBA finals. It's going to be tough. Um, but once again, you're talking about a series with no jo- Joel and B that maybe Miami gets up in a bunch of these games and you could rest Jimmy Butler more for a matchup mm-hmm. with Boston. And then if that's the case, then man, Miami, like you say, Miami's going to be a tough out. Yeah, regardless. But during Jimmy Butler career, and that's, this is the only reason why I, I made the statement that I made. When his back is against the wall and he's forced to score, he's forced, forced to be the number one option, whatever the case is. He's never let us down. I mean, he's going to go out and score and try to be this, you know, all-around player, really, that he really is. It's just he doesn't do it every single night because he's never been in a position to have to do it every single night. But, you know, even when they were in the finals in the bubble, I mean, he came out and, and gave the Lakers everything he had. Nobody walked away saying, hey, Jimmy Butler should have did more. He didn't go as hard as we thought he would yeah. or any of you know of that stuff. So I, I don't think he would lay down here as well. I think he would continue to score uh, in the 20s, shoot a high percentage, and play great defense. Yeah, see, I I don't think it's even a, a, a effort thing. It's never an effort thing with Jimmy Butler, but just like you pointed out, when they, when they were in the bubble and it was all on Jimmy in the finals because Dragic had got hurt and and Bam was hurt and things like it. Just he was wore out after two games, you know, giving it all on defense, trying to handle a LeBron or AD, and then turn around and have to put up twenty five to thirty points to try to keep them in it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it it was just too much for him. Uh, yeah. So it's really once again, if if he doesn't have to be the best player, if if Bam Adebayo is showing up and Duncan Robinson is still shooting lights out and Tyler Hero is giving you what you yeah. need, and Absolutely. Jimmy is able to just easily go out there and get you that exactly. twenty five, you know, exactly. season, yeah. that's a game changer. That's yeah, that's tough. It, I think it's going to come down to more of the Duncans and and the heroes. Uh, doing their point, knocking down open looks when they get them. Yeah. Because with Bam, Jimmy, and Larry, I mean, they easily can go for 20 each. Yeah. And, you know, that's yeah. enough mixed with good defense to win a ball game. So uh, it's going to come down to the sidekicks of, of, of Jimmy Butler uh, more than Jimmy Butler himself. But either way it go, Miami and Boston, that's going to be a good series if we wind up getting it. Yeah, 100%. So the last thing I want to touch on just – because it just came across my screen. We didn't talk about Kansas City at all uh, during our draft coverage. Uh, neither one of us found anything too interesting about them. Uh, they did take a cornerback, Trick, uh, Trent McDuffie, I want to say is his name, uh, mm-hmm. out of Washington. They took him at cornerback, which is definitely a position they needed to to shore up. Um, but I see that they just traded for, um, for Lonnie Johnson um, from, I want to say he's from Houston. Um I hate that they list these guys as DBs. He's a he's a he's a safety. Um, mm-hmm. so they added another safety to the mix after you know acquiring Justin Reed. You know during the after losing Tyron Matthew and now adding Lonnie Johnson. Um, they added uh the defensive end also in the first round um of the draft. Oh, yeah, Purdue. Yeah. Um. Once again, he was graded as one of the one of the best in his draft too. So they definitely did a, a decent shot right there. But once again, we're talking about an AFC West that's going to be tough next year. And right now, it's looking like uh, Kansas City is sitting at third or fourth in that division. Uh, so it's yeah. definitely going it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they can do between now and and week one to try to close that gap. Um, but man, that's that's a lot. We covered a lot here today. Uh, New Orleans Saints. We're looking. Are are we right now the favorites to win the NFC South? In your opinion? Yes, I would say yes. Why not? If our quarterback and key players can stay healthy, why wouldn't we be favored? We definitely have had time breaking numbers over the years. We're better. We're better than what we was last year. And I mean, we were who we were waiting on a team. We needed a team to lose. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, we need San, San Francisco. Francisco to lose yep. or something. Yep, San Francisco. To lose, we, were, yeah. we, we, we were that close um, with no quarterback, with no Michael Thomas, with you know all those negative things that we had surrounding yep. us last year with the injuries. 
to you come back healthy with an extra leader in the room. I understand, you know, Evan Kamara may miss a couple games uh, mm-hmm. with the suspension that's still out there. But overall, you a better group, you know, up from top to bottom. We're a better group. You could tell me that we lost Armstead, and I'm going to tell you he only served six, seven games anyway. So we're kind of used to playing without him, you know. So no disrespect to him, you know, because I was a big fan of him, still is. But I just think top to bottom, we are a better team than what we were last year. So, yeah. I agree, I'm, I'm and I also agree. I also agree that there's an argument to be made that the Buccaneers are worse um, from from some of the pieces they've, they, they've lost. You know, one of their cornerbacks ended up, you know, taking off and – uh, they haven't brought Sue back yet. Um, so there's there's some places, you know, where they're weaker. Uh, they lost mm-hmm. one of their offensive linemen, was able to hold on to the other one, but lost one of their offensive linemen to retirement. Um, so yeah. I definitely agree that we are the best team in the NFC South at this moment. Uh, once again, like with every team, like every year, health is going to be, you know, the, the determinant factor of that or suspensions, you know, things of that nature. Like you said, Alvin Kamara, we're expecting him to see at least, I'd say at least two games, probably four uh, suspension right. come, you know, the season. And it uh, it seems like the Saints feel like they got to steal in the undrafted free agents uh, when they picked up uh, the running back from Baylor. Uh, mm-hmm. Gave him, I think, two hundred thousand guaranteed, which isn't something you normally see when it comes to undrafted free agents. So that's somebody who's going to get a true chance at making the roster next year. Um, so that's somebody that they obviously see something in. So um, yeah, I, I definitely want to throw that question out there, um, man. Like you say, now now things really get rolling. Now we now we start to see exactly how things are going to be shaping out. To, like I say, man, to me, Tyron Matthew was icing on the cake. We did everything we needed to do in the draft. We added Tyron Matthew. I think we're exactly where we need to be uh, for next season, especially if we can stay healthy. We are yep. truly contenders in an NFC that's gotten weaker during this offseason. Yep. But that's it for this week. Man, like I said, we might try to jump back on here later this week to talk to Sean about the Detroit Lions and what they were able to do during the draft. Um, but other than that, man, we will try to get back here next week talk some playoff basketball, uh, anything else that jumps off uh, in the NFL because the NFL never stops. So, uh, man, great show. Uh, and until next week, man. I'm in the league. You boys not in my league. If you listen close, I'm coaching. Say keys to the boy. Hella dope without pushing a Blanco. Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco. If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto. If I don't do nothing, I'm about Lonzo. Every time I do it, do it the coldest. 